morning, Myrtle Grove Baptist Church family. I'm so excited to be with you this morning as we worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've gathered in his name. We believe that he is here in our midst. And we are going to begin the worship service this morning with the ordinance of believers baptism. Praise God for that. So excited for new life in Christ. Scripture says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. And uh, we believe that that's true for these that have come professing the name of Jesus. It's already happened in their heart, but we're going to demonstrate that through believer's baptism. Remember, believer's baptism is the sign of what God has done uh, in us. It is the sign of the new covenant. And what it represents is the, the person who is dead in their trespasses and sin, being buried and then being raised again to newness of life and having been born again and born from above, filled with the Holy Spirit, that new person continues on and will live forever. And we're thankful for that beautiful picture of believer's baptism. Coming uh, first this morning uh, is Layla Harris. Come on down here. We'll skip that for you, because I think you're tall enough. You don't need that, do you? <laughs> so Christopher and Siobhan uh, are here. If you're part of Layla's family, and CJ's coming in just a minute. He's back here with me, uh, her brother. But if you're part of her family, would you stand up and let everyone see you? We'd like to thank you so much. Where are they? There they are. Thank you so much for leading her to this point and being a good, good uh, parent for her. We appreciate that so much. And um, so I'll ask you the question that I've asked you already. And whom are you trusting today as your Lord and Savior? She said, Jesus Christ. Amen. Layla, based on your profession of faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, her brother is CJ, and CJ came the same time saying that he was ready to be baptized. And so, CJ, come on down, bro. Glad the water's good and warm today. I told him I wasn't going to hold him under too long. He was a little bit trepidatious about the water. Stand up on that block so they can see you. There you go. There you go. Good job. Doing good. Doing good. All right. And so you've already seen his mom and dad. Thank you so much for being good parents to him and leading him and training up in the way he should go. And so, CJ, I'll ask you, in whom are you trusting today as your personal Lord and Savior? Amen. Amen. You ready to follow him for the rest of your life? Amen. All right. Well, it's based on that profession of faith. But I baptize you. Nope, you had it right. There you go. There you go. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. There you go. Right?
right, Joshua. This is Joshua Malay. Malay. Hey, look at here. All right. Come on up. Stand up there. Joshua came professing faith in Jesus and asking to be baptized this Friday after we celebrated a homegoing ceremony here at the church for his older brother uh, who went home to be with the Lord. But uh, he came and he said that he was ready to be baptized, that he believed that Jesus had died on the cross for his sins. And so I ask you that same question that I've asked these others. In whom are you trusting today as your personal Lord and Savior? Amen. Are you ready to serve Jesus for the rest of your life? Amen. Well, it's based on your profession of faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. got two more. Y'all still with us this morning? Okay. <laughs> Come on down. This is Michaela. Michaela, what's your last name again? Cup. This is Michaela Cup. She came also on Friday after that homegoing service saying that she had trusted the Lord as her Savior and that she was ready to be baptized. And whom are you trusting today? As your personal Lord and Savior, Michaela. Jesus. She's got one of those still small voices um, that she inherited from the Lord. But she has such a sweet spirit, I can just tell about her. And so, Michaela, it's based on your profession of faith. Just come on up there. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Come on, this is Riley, her brother. Riley came Friday as well, after his sister came. It was kind of like one right after another that came down. And the spirit was moving in this place, and people were, were coming and uh, just praying together. And he came and said he was ready, that he had trusted Jesus, and that he wanted to be baptized. And so, Riley... I'll ask you the same question I've asked all of these others. In whom are you trusting as your personal Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. Are you ready to follow Jesus for the rest of your life? Amen. Let's, on that profession of faith that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Join me as we pray for these. Father, we are so thankful for these young people that have devoted themselves to you at this early age. I pray, Lord, that this commitment that they've made, it would be a lifelong commitment, that they would serve you, Lord. We look forward to all that you will do in and through them, Lord. We pray that you'd work through them in a mighty way. And, Lord, that this act of obedience would be that first step in lives of obedience as they follow you. 
Lord, I pray for their church family to love them and support them in any way that we can, that we might nurture them and help them grow in the knowledge and faith of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, go with us now as we worship you. You are worthy of all the praise that we can give you. So, Lord, let us join our hearts together and worship you now in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, let's stand together this morning. Let's, let's, let's start by praising the Lord for what he's done already.
Amen. We'll let you guys be seated for just a moment. God, I love that song and how it that tells the story of what we have to look forward to in glory. And we'll sing his praises forever and ever. And again, just look forward to that day. Again, just want to welcome you here to Myrtle Grove Baptist Church. So glad that you've come to worship with us this morning. And just that we had the opportunity to, to stir the waters of the baptismal this morning already. Just makes it all worthwhile. And reminder of why we're here and, and what we're doing here and what we're about and uh, just uh, praise God for that and for those decisions that were made today and uh, that we saw the fruits of this today but again just a couple of reminders for us again as we look forward to the week ahead again just remember February 1st is a is a Thursday that's the first Thursday of the month so our teenagers will be meeting in the fellowship hall uh, this week again as you see in the bulletin there our guest is uh, Dan Kirkland, and Dan was with us last summer, and uh, I know he was well-received by everybody, and we'll have a good meal and good fellowship. So again, encourage you uh, to be here uh, for that on Thursday for teenagers. Also, again, uh, many of you, I think, made reservations for the, the lunch today uh, for a spaghetti fundraiser for the, for the children's ministry for camp. Again, if you made that reservation, please don't forget to go over to the FLC after church this morning and, and pick, up your, uh, pick up your meal and, uh, and help support our children uh, again as they, they go to camp this summer in, uh, in June over at Camp Baldwin. Again, just uh, so glad that you're here today. Again, if there's any prayer requests or any information that you'd like to share with us this morning, there's a tab in your bulletin and you can put that in the offering plate later on after you fill that out. Again, it's just uh, good to see you today, and let's just uh, continue uh, to worship now. If you would let's stand together as we continue to worship this morning.
Good morning. My name is Stoner McFarland. I'm one of your deacons here at Merle Grove. I want to welcome you. If you're new here, if you're here for the first time or visiting, uh, behind your pews, there's a, a card like this with information about our church. You could just scan the QR code and you can learn everything you can about Merle Grove Baptist Church. And for those watching online, the same goes for you. And I do want to say thank you for joining us from afar. And uh, <clears throat> I thank you to our uh, staff topside that actually make this possible for you all to join us on a Sunday morning. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come in your presence once again, giving you thanks and praise for all that you are. Father God, we thank you for those new lives that was born in you this morning, Father God, through baptism. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for opening the doors of salvation for them. Father, we ask, Lord, that you give us fate of the centurion who will just say, just say the word, Lord, and our servant will be healed. So, Father God, for those who are struggling, who are hurting, who are sick, Father, we lift them up to you, and we cry out to you, Lord, just saying the word, that you will heal our sick, heal our land, and bless us, Father, as we worship you this day. Bless these tithes and offering that we are about to take up. Father, we ask, Lord, that uh, you will use it for the furtherance of your kingdom here in Myrtle Grove and around the world. Hear our prayers, Lord, and forgive us where we fail you. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.
Isn't that the test of the book of Job? Is God good? And Job, and you know, yes, you know the truth. But Job is living through it, isn't he? Job has lost so much so far. But the devil is not done. And the devil is going to take even more from Job this morning. I invite you to look with me in Job chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13, just the beginning of that chapter together. Job chapter 2 verses 1 through 13. Now, the digital world has uh, become the substitute for meaningful relationships in our day and age. And did you know that Facebook has a ca cap on the number of friends that you can have? Anybody know that? You, you can have up to only 5,000 friends on Facebook. 
And I go, who even knows that many people? You can have up to 5,000 friends unless you're a celebrity. And if you're a celebrity, and I don't know what counts as celebrity status. I obviously haven't made it there. Um, then you can have as many friends as you want. But I, people will randomly friend people on Facebook, friend people, just so they can hit that cap of 5,000. Because many people have met that cap. Now people see how fast they can get to that cap. Did you know that there was even a Facebook page on Facebook that is titled, Who Has the Most Friends on Facebook? And, then, and, peop, and they make it a competition, and, and people will say, comment, well, I've got 340 friends. Well, I've got 500 friends, and well, I've got 5,000 friends, you know. Uh, and they just go back and forth. But I want to say this, I would rather have one true friend, one close friend than a room full of acquaintances or so-called friends, people I really don't even know. I'd rather just have that one friend. In fact, the scripture even speaks to this in Proverbs 18, uh, verse 24. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin. Notice it doesn't use the word friend there. Because a, a true friend is something different. But a man of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the biblical truth I want to share with you this morning is a true friend is a precious blessing from God. And somebody, if you got a true friend, can you say amen? Amen, amen a true friend is. And if you don't have any friends or you feel like you don't have a single friend in this world, there is one who loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And he loves you through thick and thin, day in and day out. He will always love you. And so let's stand together and let's read and let's hear about Job's three friends and how in some of the things that they did, they proved themselves to be true friends to Job. Job chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And we know that, by the way, that that's about the angelic beings, including the fallen angels that we call demons, Satan among them. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth. And from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man. Who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity. Although you incited me against him. To destroy him without reason. And Satan answered the Lord and said. Skin for skin. All that a man has. He will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh. And he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. 
And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women you uh, would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. They raised their voices and wept, and they tore their clothes, tore their robes, and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Let's pause and pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word today. Lord, even though it's a very difficult passage for us to read and hear of the suffering of our brother Job, Lord, we know that you are a faithful friend even when we suffer. That you stick with us no matter what. And we pray, Lord, that when it feels like we're alone in a dark room or even in a crowded room, we feel as though no one cares. Let us cling to you, the one that we know cares deeply for us. And we might cast our cares upon you and know that, Lord, that you care and that you sympathize. Lord, let us treat you as a friend. And let us treat those that know you and are called by your name as friends. And let us love them the way that you have loved us. Lord, speak through your word now. And if there's one today that doesn't know the friendship of God, that they would surrender their heart in full obedience and faith to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about being a true friend today. I want to talk to you about Job's friends for just a moment. And, and what I want you to understand is Job's friends weren't perfect. In fact, at the end of the book, the Lord rebukes Job's friends for things that they say to Job that are wrong. But on the other hand, Job's friends did get some things right. And the Bible's first to point those out, the things that they did that were correct. Number one, I want you to see a true friend stays when others leave. And sometimes a true friend stays longer than you want them to stay, and they wind up on your couch for days and days. But hey, a true friend is there. They're available. They're willing to be there even whenever other people leave, even whenever it gets to be difficult for you. They stay by your side knowing then they need you the most. And I think about Job's friends, and the Bible says in verses 7 through 9 that they, the three friends, they, um, the, they came whenever other people left. And look at what it says. Uh, Satan had struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Now, can you imagine that? Festering sores that were painful, difficult, it, it's uncertain what disease Job had. Many people have guessed, and some of these guesses range from a melanoma to leprosy and other assorted less serious illnesses. But just 
just a sampling of some of the things that Job suffered. In chapter 7, verse 5, he complained, My body is clothed with worms and scabs. <clears throat> My skin is broken and festering. Ugh. That's all I got to say to that. That sounds gross. But it sounds like it hurts too. In chapter 30 and verse 30, he moaned, my skin grows black and peels. My body burns with fever. Chapter 2 and chapter 19, weight loss and a generally repulsive appearance were among the unpleasant side effects. So think about it. They didn't even recognize Job when they saw him. It affected his body so much. Have you ever been to visit a friend or a loved one in the hospital and when you saw them, you had to take a step back because they didn't look anything like the person that you knew? Have you been there before? Job's nights were terrorized with nightmares. So this probably contributed to the overall sickness that Job had, that, that he was deprived of sleep. He couldn't sleep because he was being terrorized by the devil at night. Job suffer, suffered from halitosis. That, that stinky breath, by the way. Uh, chapter 19, verse 17. Some of us suffer from that too. Hope you brushed your teeth this morning. If not, this is a reminder. Don't forget to brush your teeth today. But Job's breath was extremely repulsive. He said, he said, my own wife is repulsed by my breath. And by the way, let's speak about Job's wife for just a minute because she abandons him emotionally. But I want you to understand this. And someone pointed this out to me one time whenever I, I picked on Job's wife. They said, you've got to remember that Job's wife lost everything that Job lost up to this point. Okay? Even though she abandons Job, she's hurting. He said his own clothes abhorred him. Now, I mean, I, I've, I've peeled off my shirt after a hard day, and it stank so bad, I just threw the thing away. Anybody ever worked that hard, sweated that hard? Well, okay, I've done that before. I used to work construction. But I've never had my clothes say, get me off of you because you stink. And that's what, that's what Job, that's the language that Job is using. He said he stinks so bad that his clothes won't off of him. That's pretty rough, Job. Job's energy was sapped by extreme unremitting, unremitting pain. In chapter 30, verse 17, he's in pain all day long. Eventually, Job's going to say, I... I just can't do it anymore. And curse the day of his birth. But through all this process, all of Job's family, what, what probably hurt the most is that all of Job's family and so-called friends abandoned him. Perhaps for fear of catching what he had or, or his friends or relatives distanced themselves from him because they, they thought, I just don't want to be around that. Whatever it was, they left him. In Job 19, 13 through 15, he says, He has put my brothers far from me. 
And those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. The guests in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. I have become a foreigner in their eyes. Has anybody ever felt alone? You just wish somebody would call me. I wish somebody would text me. I wish somebody knew what I was going through. Somebody I could sit down and tell my problems. So Job's wife checked out spiritually, emotionally, and physically. His brothers and sisters, his relatives, even the servants in his house, the ones that were still left, they're like, I don't want anything to do with Job. But here's the thing. It's been said, our friends know us during times of our prosperity. But we know our friends during times of adversity. So we can contrast being a fake friend and being a true friend. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 19.4 uh, says, Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. So have you ever known somebody that was there whenever it was going good and you had something that they wanted, so they stuck around, but as soon as you didn't have that anymore, you never saw that person again? Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. There's the contrast. You know the difference between a fake friend and a faithful friend, and God is our faithful friend. Everything that He does for us and to us is not based on something that we have that we can give to Him. It's not based on the, the situation of our lives. It's based on His character, who he, he is, and what He has done for us. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, it says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God is the faithful friend, the true friend who stays when others leave. I love this passage, and we, we heard this passage this past Friday at homegoing celebration. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I think about that, and I wonder, well, is it because God is nearer when we're going through trouble, or is it because we know we need Him more, so we call out to Him more? And I think, well, it's a combination of both. Isn't that how a faithful friend treats you? Yeah, you call out to that friend when you need them more than you do in other times. And that friend shows up more during those difficult days because you need them. And that's the way our Lord is. We know what true friendship looks like when we examine the believer's privilege in Christ. We have a Savior who is always present, always listens to our struggles. The story is told of a, a miserable-looking woman. And uh, that's the way F.B. Meyer told this story, okay? So he called her miserable-looking. Uh, I didn't say that about her. He did. But F.B. Meyer was a, was a pastor, and he, he met this woman on a train, and she ventured to share her burdens with him, tell him about what was going on on the way home. For years, she had cared for a crippled daughter, who brought great joy to her life. She made tea for her each morning, then left for work, knowing that in the evening the daughter would be there when she arrived home. But then the daughter had died, 
And the grieving mother was left alone and miserable. She said, home was not home anymore. Well, Meyer gave her this wise counsel. He said, when you get home, put the key in the door, he said. Say aloud, Jesus, I know you are here. And be ready to greet him directly when you open the door. And as you light the fire, tell him what has happened during the day. If anyone has been kind, tell him. If anyone has been unkind, tell him. Just as you would have told your daughter, he said. At night, stretch out your hand in the darkness and say, Jesus, I know you are here. Well, some months later, Meyer was back in that same neighborhood and met the woman again on the train. He didn't recognize her. Her face radiated with joy instead of announcing misery. She said, I did as you told me, and it has made all the difference in my life. And now I feel I know him. And so based upon this truth that a true friend stays when others leave, ask this question. Let's do some inventory real quick. What true friends do you have? And do you know that you have at least one? If you can say, I know I have at least one, say amen. And let's rejoice in that. God gave you that friend. And if today you're saying, I don't know if I can count one. I want to tell you the Lord Jesus is that friend for you. He's the friend for you. And if you will join him, you join a family of faith. And these folks in this room, I tell you what. There's some faithful friends in the room. So here's another question I have for you. Have you been that faithful friend? Have you been that one? Have you demonstrated friendship the way that Christ does? A true friend stays when other leaves, others leave. But secondly, a true friend sympathizes with your suffering. A true friend sympathizes. Look at verses 11 through 12. Now, see, in the midst of Job being left by everybody, his friends come, they appoint a time to come together. The scripture says in verse 11 that they made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and to comfort him. Job's friends made an appointment. That means that they took time out of their lives, out of their busy schedules. And how many of us say, I just don't have time. I would love to do this. I would love to do that. But I just don't have time. But I want to tell you, when the Lord presses on your heart that someone needs a phone call or someone needs a visit or someone needs a card of encouragement, and you need to write that card. You need to make that visit. You need to make that phone call. Because the Lord is prompting you to do that. It doesn't matter how busy you are. You need to make that the priority. Then and at that moment to do that. To be that faithful friend. And that's what Job's friends did. And as much stuff we can say about them that they did wrong. We can at least get, say that they got this right. They made Job the priority of their day. To go to him. And they came to see how. He was. And when they arrived, one author that I read wrote this. They said, so changed did Job seem as he crouched in his misery amid the ashes that at first sight his friends knew him not. Then they recognized him. And so much more does the actual sight of suffering impress us than the vague thought of it from afar. 
that the three friends wept and cried aloud at their dismay. See, they needed to see Job. And sometimes we just need to be seen. And we just need to be heard. We need someone to come in and be a part of that. The scripture says they came to sympathize. I want you to think about those Greek words for just a minute. Now, it's popular in popular psychology to get this stuff mixed up and say empathy is better than sympathy. Okay, And I want to clear this up because those people must not know Greek. Okay, and I had to study Greek whenever I was in seminary. I wasn't very good at it. I made it through. Okay, but I do understand a few things about these words. And I looked it up in Miriam's dictionary to make sure that I was right. Okay, sympathy comes from the Greek sim, meaning together and pathos, which means to feel. Okay, it is used when a person shares the feelings of another an, an example is when one experiences sadness, when someone closely is experiencing grief or loss. Empathy is also related to pathos. It differs from sympathy in carrying an implication of greater emotional distance. With empathy, you can imagine understanding how someone might feel without necessarily having those feelings yourself. You get that? Okay, so M has to do with I put myself, I imagine myself being in that situation, okay? Sympathy is I enter that situation with them. I come alongside them. Now look at what Job's friends did. What did they do? They came and they sat with Job. They got near Job. Hey, you, you can't imagine how difficult that must have been. They didn't even recognize him at first. He was moaning and groaning. He was festering. He was scraping himself with a pot shirt. And he stank. His clothes were nasty. No one wanted to be around Job. He was heaping ashes on himself. And guess what they did? They came right down to his level and they began to heap ashes on themselves with him and moan and groan with him. That's what you call sympathy. And that's what Job needed. Well, that's what the, the Greek means, but the original Hebrew word literally means to sway or to rock. To sway or to rock. I, I remember... Whenever I was a younger man, and my grandmother was still alive, sitting on the swing in her yard under the pine trees, the, the yard swing, it was made out of metal. It looked a little bit like the picture that I have on the screen, a little bit, a little bit different, but you get the idea. And we would sit out there on the swing, and we would shuck corn or shell peas, and my, and my grandmother would rock that swing. I remember that very vividly. And, and I remember it feeling like I was hearing the rhythm of her heart as along with the sway of the swing, she would begin to sing her hymns, her songs. She would sing in the sweet by and by. And I, I felt like we were that close to heaven right there. And I can imagine her thinking about her loved ones that had gone on to be with Jesus. She would sing, and this is the one that she sang the most, and it was my favorite. She would, as we were swinging and we were rocking on that swing, she would say, Swing low, 
sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I could hear her longing for that country where she was going. She's there now. But I, I never felt closer to my grandmother right then than when we just swang on the swing together. That's what this word means, this sympathy. It's a picture of a friend sliding up beside you, pulling the chair up close, getting right down on your level, getting right to where you are, and being willing to suffer even as you have suffered. And, and, and we will not always experience what people are going through but when we are near enough and we choose to be near enough, we can feel what they feel. And we can always sympathize. <laughs> I remember another instance of the same kind of idea. When Caleb was younger and he came running around the hallway and came right into the kitchen and cracked his head on the corner of the counter. Boom! I mean, he was right at that height. It terrifies me because Abigail's right at that height. And she hasn't done it yet, but I know it's coming. Yeah. I just grabbed him up as he cried, and I just did this. You ever do that with your kids? And sometimes you just need somebody to wrap their arms around you and do a little bit of swaying <laughs> and hear someone say it's going to be all right. Matthew 25, 37 through 40 tells us of the character of Christ. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when, would you, when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked? Where is uh, where's Dennis Llewellyn? He made fun of me all week last week for saying naked. I said, I'm, I'm from Mississippi. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to, me, did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus is the one who sympathizes with our suffering and then he teaches us to do the same thing. If we belong to him, and we sympathize in his name, then we're doing it as unto him, the friend in heaven. But lastly, not only does a true friend sympathize in our suffering, a true friend speaks the language of your heart. Now look at what they did. Not only did they come and sympathize and comfort him, look at verse 13. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. The great temptation of every one of us, whenever we see someone suffering or going through something that we're not going through, is to explain to them how we understand. And to tell them how they can make it through it, if they'll just do this or that. And we want to give them a bullet point list of all the things that they should do. And we're not silent for seven seconds or seven minutes, let alone seven days. But you know, those seven days did more to comfort and heal Job than anything else that Job's friends did. 
Those seven days of silence were Job's friends listening to Job's heart and hearing his heart and speaking the language of his heart. They came down and they sat down on the ground right at his level and they drew up close and when Job moaned, they moaned with him. When Job cried, they cried with him. When Job heaped up ashes, they heaped ashes with him. And they just stayed right where he was. Luke recounts for us, and all the Gospels do as well, of how when the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. I'm thankful that Jesus is willing to get down on our level, listen to our heart, and help people that are in need. You and me. I'm so glad that Jesus is a true friend who came down to my level, aren't you? I'm learning more and more that the people in my life need less and less of what I have to say and more and more of my ability to listen. That's what they really need. That doesn't mean neglecting to share with them the hope that I have within my heart. Because I do. And I should. And you should. But have you taken that time to listen? Speak the language of the heart before you speak a word from your mouth. Hebrews 14, verse, five, uh, verse 15. Excuse me, let me back that up. <laughs> Hebrews 4, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. I mean, we don't have a, a God in heaven that looks down and says, man, I feel bad for those folks. We have a God in heaven, a Savior, who went to the cross. And listen to what it says. He, he is one in every respect who has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Jesus suffered just as we do. He came down to our level. He inhabited human flesh. He was beaten beyond recognition. And then he bore the cross for our suffering. Then he bore the crown of horns, a horn, crown of thorns, which represents the curse on his head. He was estranged by his family. He was left alone by his disciples. He was stripped naked where he had nothing on this earth with his back torn and his beard pulled from his face and nails in his hands. He looked at those that were committing such horrible things and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Then with a loud cry, he said, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost. That's a savior, a priest who can sympathize. He knows what it's like to be left alone. He knows what it's like to have unimaginable pain. He knows what it's like to have people say things about him that were not true. And he suffered all of that. Though he deserved none of it, 
so that you could be reconciled to God. That's a true friend. He did it for you. Now I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you know that Jesus lived a sinless life, He died on a sinner's cross and He was raised again on the third day, and you would confess to Him that you are a sinner and that you need Him in order to be saved, if you would do that today for the very first time, you would find a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A brother who is born for adversity. You would find the Savior who sympathizes with you. And if you'd like to do that, I want to invite you to do so. Many others have done that. We just watch children who have made that decision. Any person in this place can make that decision if you don't know Christ. You can trust Him today. And if that's you, I want you to bow your head with me and pray this prayer in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. But Jesus, I know that you are the perfect Savior. You died in my place on the cross. You loved me even whenever I was your enemy. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. I come to you now and I ask you to forgive me. Make me a new person. I want to serve you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for being such a faithful friend. Give me your spirit so that I'll never be alone. I'll spend the rest of my life loving and serving you. And when I die... I believe in faith that I will be with you forever. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And would you stand with me? We're about to have our invitation. And this is your opportunity. If you've just trusted Christ as your Savior, that's a wonderful thing that's happened. But we want you to know more and grow more in Him. And we want to offer you baptism. We want to offer you resources in a small group where you can... Love the people of God and serve alongside them. And so this invitation is for you to come and confess publicly the decision that you've made privately. And if you need prayer, we'd love to have someone just come alongside you and pray. This invitation is for you as well. Our altar counselors will be coming. And if you'd like to join Myrtle Grove Baptist Church and serve among the saints here, we welcome you to come. This is your invitation as well. So you come as the Lord leads you. Let's sing together. We fall down and we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of the mercy and love
You'll do this. I know we have an announcement or two that we need to do, and we'll do that too. But I want you to just reach out across the aisles. You may have to, everybody just kind of scoot in, and we're going to hold hands for our closing prayer. And this, this is a reminder 
And this is what we always need to remember. Every hand holding someone else's hand at least. Okay? It's a reminder that we're, we're never alone. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit within us who leads us and guides us, but we also have brothers and sisters in Christ. We have true and faithful friends if we just reach out to them in prayer. Brother Richard just came and said, Miss Beverly, the report that you've gotten, Miss Beverly, has been great. The doctor doesn't want to see you for, what, another year and, and another year plus. And so praise God for that. The, the, the prayer is working. We've been praying for her. Every Tuesday morning as we gather together, we've been lifting her up to the Lord. And there's needs and there's burdens on every heart in the room. I know that this is true. I know that every one of you carries some burden in your heart. But I want you to know you don't carry that alone. The Lord loves you. He bears your burdens. Even at the end of this story with Job, we're going to see Job prays for those friends that, that came and sympathized with him. He prayed for them. We need each other. Every one of us, we do. Okay? Now, I know there's a quick announcement. Let's say that quick announcement. Okay, let's do that quick announcement, then we're going to pray. He has chosen us. And the movie next week is going to open in the fourth season of Chosen, the movies that have been on, on the series, has been on, on available on stream. February 4th, next Sunday afternoon around 3 o'clock, a very large group of us are going to meet at, the, at AMC 15. I can't tell you after 52 years of being in ministry that anything has impacted me anything more than watching the series, The Chosen. It has made me realize he chose me. He chose me. He chose each of us. We want to invite you to be a part of that. If you can't make next Sunday afternoon, please, the first three um, the first three sessions of season four will be in that movie and will be awesome. Soon, we need to be there, Pastor. Thank you. And Brother Matt has one, two. Make it quick, Matt. <laughs> Their palms are starting to get sweaty. Yeah, hold, hold. Up. Now, um, we're having our first our, uh, interest meeting today for the greeters and the security team. For getting new guest services team after church about probably about 12 20 12 30 um after you pick up your spaghetti over there so please come be part of it if you're already part of another ministry this is something you can learn and be part of anyway if you're in the, in the choir come be part of the guest services team too you know we don't have you know we want everybody to be trained in how to be a greeter in this church i mean look around we have a lot of new faces in this church it is beautiful it's wonderful what god's doing here so come be part of it thanks matt all right, and I'm not holding anybody's hand, so I'm going to get somebody special to come up here. Come up here, Eli. And Drew, come on up on the other side of him. This is Eli's last Sunday with us, and uh, we're going to miss Eli. But he's going off uh, to go to college, and hopefully he's going to be using his gifts and abilities there at that arts college uh, to use them for the kingdom of God. And uh, we're thankful for the calling that God has put on his life. And we want to lift him up in prayer as we dismiss. Let's pray together right now. Father, I thank you for the unity and the bond of peace, the friendship that we have with not only you, but the family of faith. Lord, we thank you for Eli. We just lift him up to you, God. We pray for your blessings to be upon him, Lord. We pray that you would go with us as we depart. And Lord, that we would seek out this week that friend that needs a comforting touch from us. 
that we would be faithful and be a true friend. And we would do it in your name and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.